Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. Hey there, we're talking about canonic leadership. Uh, And this is part two of a three-part podcast here, a mini mini-series where I got hooked into watching this rather odd collection of leadership destruction-themed media. Say that three times fast. Leadership destruction-themed media. A podcast, mini-series, documentaries, they just really spoke to me about leadership. I am not advocating that you have to run and watch any of these But you do have to remember that the first line of leadership is that you have to lead yourself and lead yourself well before you can lead others. So this is my tie-in with self-care and its importance with leadership. Uh, A canonic leadership is what I am going to heavily advocate for, a leadership that is connected to and surrendered to God's purposes. And so especially this is important for ministry, especially this is important in this rather quirky and unique post-pandemic, question mark, ish, era. So today I'm using the documentary about Hillsong and the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast to see what we can sift and learn. We seem to have a fascination with the rise of leaders. Christianity does indeed have its celebrities, and that would be um, beyond the obvious choice of Jesus. Uh, even within your own denomination, there are celebrities. And having dealt with several different denominations, I have, you can pick them out after a while, you know, who is all that and a bag of chips and who is not. So people whose ways seem to be ever present, and they just seem to be larger than life, and certainly larger than other people. And I'm not talking about size. I'm talking about bigger than life kinds of things. Those. Yeah, we seem to be intrigued with how you can rise, you know. But then what can too easily happen is people can get intoxicated with where they are and the kind of power or influence that sounds influence sounds nicer, right? That they have. And this is going to take us, you're going to be thrilled about this, but it's, it's kind of interesting stuff. Uh, on a brief historical tour of John Chrysostom in the fourth century, I hope I said his last name right, you know, not that he's going to come and knock on my forehead about that. Anyway, so we just so we understand there is indeed nothing new under the sun, right? People are people. We just have smart phones. The smart went in air quotes, just so you know. And here I am foisting upon you some work from my doctoral dissertation where I surveyed ministry leaders on how well they understand kenosis from Philippians 2 from a real practical standpoint. 
Kenosis has been my fascination and interest for a while, and that is where I went with my dissertation, but I promise I'm not reading that to you. If I feel really generous, I might put a copy of it and just see if even one person reads it in the show notes. I don't know if I'll do that or not. Maybe. Maybe if you begged me, I might. My mother never read it, so (laughs) I had somebody else tell me that. So whichever sort of ministry leader placement process you endure today, whether you are appointed or your church slash board does kind of a call process to a ministry leader to lead them, you know, that is nothing compared to what John's day did. If you were seen as having the gifts and graces for ministry, you were literally abducted and pressed into service. And John got wind of this for himself, and so he got out of Dodge. Well, you know, he left town and headed to a monastery to kind of avoid this because he didn't see himself as having qualities essential to ministry. He was greatly concerned for the sake of the sheep over which he might be responsible. Oh my goodness, what could I do to them? He saw in himself the potential for an inordinate pride in himself or in his achievements, you know, kind of an excessive pride, which could very easily lead to a long list of nasty negative beasts that would ravage him daily. This is kind of a paraphrase of a a quote from a writing of his. And he has all kinds of nasty things in in his list, anger, dejection, envy, strife, imprecations against those who have done no harm. Hmm, that's not good. Delight at disgraceful behavior in fellow priests, sorrow at their successes, the love of praise, the greed for preferment, contempt for the poor, fawning on the rich, Absurd honors and harmful favors which endanger the giver and receiver. You can tell he's really thought about this. This is a long list, a long list of things. And it goes on, and I I just won't bore you with that, but it's a long list of bad things that he thinks he could be capable of. So there's a strong sense of self-awareness and the strong sense of his potential to do things that were not good because he was intoxicated with his own sense of accomplishment. Hmm. So Chrysostomon saw his potential to do damage to those that he led as well as the possibility that he would abuse or misuse the role. He saw his own personal ambition as kind of a danger to holding the priestly office, even as he held great respect for that office. He saw his own shortcomings pretty clearly. He saw the cost and he saw the temptations behind having rank, power, and position, which, by the way, Jesus laid down all of those rank, power, and position on our behalf. See Philippians 2. His initial solution, uh, avoid the office and do not seek after it. So, you know, there's something to be said about people who are a hesitant leader. After six years at the monastery, though, He reluctantly accepted the role of deacon, priest, and later bishop, all the while contending very thoroughly that he should strive. The only thing he should be striving for, actually, was to be Christ's person. 
his time as a monk knit within him this concept of uh, a sense of unworthiness as one approaches God. And and that called for, he said, a strong reliance on God so that you could work out the tasks that one is called to perform. So this is essential so ministry leaders can be seen as sent by God and as examples of Christ who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I think John would say, and we would agree, that ministry is not for the faint of heart or spirit, nor is it a path for those who know how to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but it is for those who are brave enough to allow God to have ultimate sway in their lives. It is a canonic journey toward understanding. And I'm hoping that as time goes on here and you continue to listen to this podcast and share it with friends, that you're going to know and understand what canonic is as I start to dig in that direction and as it comes up. So this is a canonic journey toward understanding how God uses empty vessels in order to fill them with God's purposes. It is a calling to identify yourself as a servant of God and participate in what God has you to participate in so that you become an authentic representation of Jesus Christ. Hey there, Margie Bryce here with the Krabby Pastor Podcast, always wanting to make sure that what I am serving up is what is going to be most helpful for you. While this is a podcast dedicated to encouraging self-care and especially self-care in leadership, because, you know, you got to lead yourself first before you can lead anybody else. I also want to make sure I'm offering you the content that, that helps you. I am also always on the hunt for any kind of burnout stories that you'd like to share, and I am always looking for your input on topics of great interest to you, or even even just raise a snarky question at me uh, about life in ministry. That's fine, too. What I have is a form on the KrabbyPastor.com website. And what I need you to do is go to that website, go to the Krabby Pastor podcast link, and use the form there to communicate with me so that I can make this podcast be everything that you need it to be and more. Just know any information you provide me uh, is confidential. Unless you say to me, hey, I'd love to be interviewed on your podcast, or I'd love to be a part of chatting it up with you on your podcast. Other than that, uh, unless you make it clear to me that you want to be an active part of it, or you want that kind of exposure, uh, (laughs) I will consider your material a confidential. So go to KrabbyPastor.com. Go to the Krabby Pastor podcast link there and fill out the form and talk to me, please, so I can make this be for you everything that you need for it to be, to be successful and to feel fulfilled in your ministry. So we're done with the history lesson for a moment, and we're going to leave John here and head towards Hillsong 
the documentary on, I think it's Discovery Plus. I am not plugging for anybody, really. I'm just giving you where it was in case you wanted to go take a gander or not. Either way, I'm good. But good heavens, I was really not sure what to say about this. Again, you know, it's you watch the meteoric rise and then, you know, you're fascinated by the fall and oh my goodness, what happened? What happened? Many of us have been blessed by Hillsong music. The one the song about new wine, I mean that just puts me over the top, really. I love that song. But there are several leadership issues that arose for me in this documentary. The documentary did offer a couple of condemning insights that really provided shallow explanations. And and I want to chat on that for a moment, because you can see a bit in this how unaware of some of the Christian values that secular culture is. And you know what, in all fairness, I am not, I am guessing that this was compiled by um, non-faith uh, people because of this. In uh, one case, there was a student that went to Hillsong College where they were required to serve at Sunday morning service. Now you can imagine You can imagine the size of the throngs of people coming to Hillsong. The commentary, and this is the one in Australia, the commentary about uh, that, the commentary about the requirement to serve at Sunday morning service by students of Hillsong College, she cited it as a way for them to get cheap labor. Now, for sure, for sure, if you are that large of a church, you do need a lot of hands on deck. And the work does take a lot of time. But what secular culture misses is that serving others for the sake of serving others and not necessarily for a paycheck is indeed a character building exercise. And serving changes our hearts towards others. So, okay, the world doesn't totally understand that Christian value. The other allegation had to do with money. And, you know, it always comes to money and assets at some point, doesn't it? And here, anyone who is serving in the United Methodist Church will say a hearty amen as they're going through their challenging times. But if you're taking in millions of dollars, then you had better have a transparent and accountable system for where all those pennies are going and how they are being spent to support Christian purposes in the world, which does not include million-dollar mansions for the staff. As lovely as that might be, it is not appropriate. The big issue, though, in the documentary is about power about how people in power can easily skirt accountability. Again, we're confronted with individuals that use their influence, charisma, etc., etc., to seemingly escape scrutiny or even questions about their actions. They are really good at, at avoiding them. In some cases, that's kind of a narcissistic thing, isn't it? I looked this up for you. It was Lord Acton who said that power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Uh, 
maybe John was right, you know. (laughs) I don't think I can't trust myself with power, so I think I'll be heading out of town. For one thing, and this, this came near the end of the documentary, Hillsong seems to be set up as an LLC, which is a business structure. Uh, most nonprofits, churches are nonprofits. They are 501c3s in the United States. And there is a board set up that is different than a business model. So this structural business model mitigated accountability. As some have said, then power exposes one's true character. For the pastor at Hillsong, though, what really landed him in trouble is that the law of the land in Australia says if you have knowledge of abuses against children, and apparently he did know the allegations against his father in this regard, then they are required by law to report. This seems to be uh, one of the key features of the departure from Hillsong by Brian Houston. And all I want to say here in regards to leadership is that pastors are not above the law of the land. And the cost of ignoring that was high. Again, we function in the reality of planet Earth and the laws of the land. Now, for those of you who maybe know somebody who might say something like, you know, it's God's laws that supersede man's laws, you know, I would say a hearty here, here, but at the end of the day, you know, if you get a speeding ticket, you're going to pay a fine, you know, and this is, we're called to function in reality, and we don't want to be so heavenly minded, as the song has said, that we're no earthly good. We have to know that this is the field in which God has placed and planted our feet, and we do have to function that way. Now, if we go to the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, and boy, I could easily take as many episodes as they did to describe what happened. I probably would not be anywhere near as entertaining, but the hair stood up on the back of my neck repeatedly. We heard the pastor, Mark Driscoll, holler repeatedly. They loved playing this clip. Who do you think you are? I mean, he screamed it in a way that I can't even do. He screamed that to his congregation. Mostly it was guys, I think. And it was played throughout the podcast. And I thought, gee, I think that question need to be turned back on to Pastor Mark. Somebody along the way. The intro of the podcast always caught my attention. And to me, this this was never really answered by the podcast, although they seem to be adding more and more episodes, so maybe they will get at it. But what is up with the Christian celebrity status of pastors? And why do we, us, feel like we need to flock to the feet of charismatic pastors when what we really need to do is flock to the feet of Jesus? And our pastor's personality has nothing to do with it. I mean, I can look at myself and I'm thinking, I am not, I am not this tall, booming voice person uh, that has this ultra charismatic personality. 
And I know that. I know that because I had a congregate once bring me over to meet her friend and say, look, she doesn't look like a pastor at all. She just looks like your best friend. You know, I mean, all right, let's just, I thought at the time, let's just reinforce it for me, okay? But this seems to be the case, and, and I'm not really sure about this. Well, I am sure about it. I'm sure that there's plenty of pastors out there that have a great word from Jesus that are not tall with big booming voices who are mild-mannered, you know, more like Clark Kent than Superman. And I, I can't remember what a female of that version is. So that's what we're going with. But anyway, you know, meek and mild and humble, um, I mean, even Jesus had said there was nothing about him that people would regard him. Isaiah says this. There's not, well, there was nothing about Jesus that you would regard him as, oh, my, you know, a per, he was just kind of an average guy. They say that. They say that about Paul as well. Just average people, average people. But yet we are in such a culture where we look for this celebrity status and we grant it to people because people don't have power unless other people give it to them, right? To be sure, there was also an administrative structure with not much accountability in both of these cases, but especially in the Mars Hill one, you start to hear all the wranglings and the maneuvering to ensure that Mark had ultimate sway and ultimate say in everything, everything, everything. So it was an administrative structure with not much accountability. In there. As I say, pride goes before a fall. And uh, it was a good thing John is, John Chrysostom saw that kind of vulnerability. Churches today, I think we need to intentionally structure ourselves so that organizational structure protects the pastor by an accountability process or purpose or bent, however you want to say that. Um, so, I mean, of the two, I, I think I would have rather had John Chrysostom as my pastor than any celebrity pastor. That's what I want to see in my pastor is this humble, Jesus-loving, I see the potential for that I can do something dumb or bad or whatever that I too can get lured in with too much power, too much people lauding over me that I could I could become that very easily, that all of us have the potential to become like Mark Driscoll. If given enough rope, we could do that. So that is why churches do need to intentionally structure themselves so that the organizational structure protects the pastor. And that's why then too, believers need to be on the lookout for threads of humility in their pastor. That to me is the most appealing type or of pastor that I would be even remotely interested in in following anymore. So I will leave us with that piece. And I want to say that there is one more episode coming in this mini series. And this is one that I'm going to 
really dig in about what it means to be a canonic leader after giving some examples of what you don't want to do or what you don't want to be or what you don't want to aspire to. And I will offer some reminders for all of us who desire to follow Jesus wholeheartedly and are called to lead other people to do the same. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor.